This is the day the Lord has made, and we are rejoicing, and we're glad in this day. Man, let's give, a, let's give God a thank offering for our praise and worship ministry. Amen. <laughs> Man, it's just awesome. Uh, you know, they were just talking about the wonderful worship down Central America that they experienced recently, and, you know, that song about, I command my hands to to praise the Lord, command my feet, command my, I got that thing all right, didn't I? And it says, all right, you know, uh, they don't have the band in those, some of those places that we're blessed with here this morning. But I tell you what, I thank God for that band too. Is that a good thing to thank God for? They do such a wonderful job of helping to, helping to amplify the worship and the praise. And, and that's a good thing because we're supposed to make a joyful noise to the Lord with all kinds of instruments and with our hands, with our feet, and with our bodies, with all that we have because we have to just uh, get involved uh, with, with the Lord uh, because he is not removed from us but present with us. That sweet, sweet presence of Jesus we sing about, he's with us. He's not removed. He's not some distant deity, but he's a very present uh, person for us. And uh, if you have not known that, we pray that you will know that. Uh, and, uh, and if maybe for some reason the joy of Jesus is not quite where it was or where you wish it was in your life, or, or maybe, better put, maybe you're not satisfied with your place in Christ. And you want to be at that place where there's power flowing and where, you know, the blood of Jesus is just running in your, in your body. And you just feel invigorated. I mean, you get the Holy Ghost transfusion every day and you feel good. That's what Paul talked about, being renewed every day. Uh, then we pray that that can happen for you today. And if you're not a member of this congregation, at the close of the service, there will be people at the rear of the church, Pastor Chuck and, and others will be there to, to talk with you, to give you, give you information about Woodland Hills or about uh, a Christ. Uh, if you desire prayer after this service, the prayer team will be ministering right down front here, and we invite you uh, to come because the world is a tough place to live in, even for tough people. It was just uh, a couple of days ago down at Herod Island that this young woman, I, I guess, threw her children in the river, it seems, and uh, leaped in with them. And isn't it uh, unbelievable at a time where a throng has gathered to celebrate the birth of our nation, a woman fills, filled with such despair and pain and disillusionment with life, wants to end life while others are celebrating the life and the birth of our country. And, and it's that irony that we live in. There is so much liberty about us, so much goodness about us, around us. There is so much provision for us, and yet there is such lack in many places, and so much hunger and so much pain. And the healing blood of Jesus was shed long ago, not only for our salvation, uh, but for our healing, for our deliverance, that we would be a whole 
a whole people and, and whole individuals. That is the reality, but we don't always walk in that reality because, well, the truth is we are a people living amidst clashing kingdoms. And the kingdoms of this world are becoming the kingdom of our God and his Christ. But they are not yet that because people have not yet, we have not yet gone out and taken the places that God has ordained for us to take. We have not yet laid hold of the things, institutions, resources, information, um, media vehicles. For example, our entertainment industry is being run, it seems to me, by people who don't always portray the kind of values I think Jesus Christ would have us portray. That kingdom in Hollywood should become the kingdom of our God and his Christ. Amen. How many of you know there is no room for the devil unless we give him space? Because Jesus said, I have all power. Where? In heaven and in the earth. Hallelujah. And the apostle said that he also has a name that is above all names of things in heaven, things in the earth, and things beneath the earth. So there is no other name. I love that song too. Yet, we clash. At Herod Island, there is a throng celebrating and fireworks are going off and the music is playing and feeding, people are feeding themselves and having a wonderful time and a mother makes her way to the river. And there could be people in our lives suffering the dichotomy of of, of, of life where there is joy about us but misery within us. And it could be someone to your left or to your right before you or behind you or it could be you. We're going to clash as Christians with the world. Jesus said it would be that way. But we should not be defeated. But we should win. I want you to go with me in this word of God today through which I pray he will stir our hearts to believe that evermore. Father, we thank you for this time of gathering. We thank you for the leadership of this house of prayer, Woodland Hills Church. Oh God, we thank you that you are inhabiting this place by the praises of these, your people and by their worship in word and deed song and dance and music and you're inhabiting this church by its ministry by its vision and by its mission and we thank you God for that leadership and we thank you for the people God who are members of the body giving of themselves God we pray that this congregation would be blessed today to move out today 
to seize the places that the enemy has occupied, places that are ordained for these, your people. Whether that be in our cities, whether it be in Cambodia, whether it be in North Minneapolis, whether it be in St. Paul, whether it be in our own individual homes or in this congregation, grant us, God, a vision, boldness, and the, the power of your spirit to take what you have ordained for us. In Jesus' name, amen. In the gospel, rather the prophecy of Isaiah chapter 62, from verse 1, it reads, For Zion's sake I will not keep silent. For Jerusalem's sake I will not remain quiet till her righteousness shines out like the dawn, her salvation like a blazing torch. The nations will see your righteousness and all kings your glory. You will be called by a new name that the mouth of the Lord will bestow. I'll read that phrase, that, that portion again. You will be called by a new name, Jerusalem, that the mouth of the Lord will bestow. You will be a crown or of, of splendor in the Lord's hand, a royal diadem in the hand of your God. No longer will they call you deserted or name your land desolate, but you will be called Hephzibah and your land Beulah, for the Lord will take delight in you and your land will be married. As a young man marries a maiden, so will your sons marry you. As a bridegroom rejoices over his bride, so will your God rejoice over you. I have posted watchmen on your walls, O Jerusalem. They will never be silent day or night. You who call on the Lord, give yourselves no rest and give him no rest till he establishes Jerusalem and makes her the praise of the earth. And verse 12, they will be called the holy people, the redeemed of the Lord. And you will be called sought after, the city no longer deserted. The suffering of the people of God in Jerusalem was severe and as they suffered and endured captivity, tribulation, the voice of God speaks forth liberty and comfort, peace, renewal, and redemption. The name that you have been named by Jerusalem will pass away. The reputation that you have had as a people who have wandered from your God, as a people who have forsaken your God, that name will go away. The name of a people who have been free but who are now bound, that name will go away. 
the name of a people whose land has become desolate and has been ocu- become occupied by a kingdom that was not ordained for that place in Jerusalem will pass away. Pastor Chuck asked somebody to pray this morning. I trust that we have folk praying this morning for the message. There is a literal application of this word to what is happening in Jerusalem. Amen. And there is also a, another application that pertains to our own individual lives, to our own families, to our own communities, and to our own congregations and cities. The wonderful thing of the word of God is that it is true all the time. And there are principles undergirding the word of God that are true. And the truth of God does not fail. It does not pass away. And what God, hallelujah, what God speaks once, hallelujah, he needs not speak again. It will come to pass. And not only does it come to pass in the way that the history of the book unfolds, but it also unfolds in our own individual lives as we begin to see ourselves as a new people. As we begin to see that not only is God concerned about that small strip of land, although he is exceedingly concerned about that small strip of land in the Middle East that we call Israel. He is exceedingly concerned about that. But he is not only concerned about that, but he's concerned about the whole world. But God chose a people and he chose a land and he decided that he would show forth his glory through a people. And he did not choose the people because they were perfect, because the history shows us they were far from that. Nor did he choose them because they were people that had certain uh, virtues that were superior to other people, because the scripture goes on to show us that God is not a respecter of persons, of nations, but God chose a people and a place. And he said that I'm going to work out salvation in this place. So God put a stake in the ground. And the enemy said, not so. You need to understand as an individual that whenever you put a stake in the ground to make a decision for good, the enemy will say, not so. The kingdoms that he already has in his control, he's not concerned about. But when he believes that His control in a situation, in a family, in a community, in a people group, when he gets to the understanding that his control is ending and is shaky, then he begins to do what he can as a counter-offensive against what God is doing. And the result is we have kingdoms that clash. We have kingdoms in conflict. We have the kingdoms of this world. And we have the kingdom of our God. And God said, I will establish my kingdom in this place. I will give it a new name. And my people will be called by a new name. 
we begin to see this unfolding through the prophets, but manifest in the preaching of John the Baptist, who in the early portions of the, of the gospel said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Signifying that there is something new coming. No longer are you going to be called by a, as a people who are under the authority of Rome. No longer are you going to be a people who are under the authority of a king whom God did not establish in Jerusalem. Somebody pray today. Not on, not, no, no, no longer are you going to be afflicted by a people who establish customs and a culture that is hostile to holiness and to the ways that I hold dear, says the Lord. But you shall be called by a new name. And Jesus appeared. And he said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And Jesus is baptized in the river and immediately the Spirit drives him into the wilderness to meet the devil. Conflicting kingdoms, clashing kingdoms, kingdoms confronting one another. When Jesus set the stake on the river Jordan and said, I have come <laughs> to fulfill the law and the prophets. I have come to make this place the kingdom of our God. The enemy says, we're going to have to have a conference and you come out here and we're going to meet and talk about this. And the enemy did all he could to persuade Jesus, to threaten Jesus, to intimidate Jesus. But at the end of the period of 40 days, Jesus said, Satan, you lose. Nowhere in the book does it say Jesus wrestled with the devil. He did not plead with the devil. He did not fret over what the devil was attempting to do because he knew whom he was. He knew whose he was. He knew he was the Christ. And the term Christ connects with the name Jesus in our doctrine because not only is he the one called Jesus whom God promised would come, our one who comes to save us. Hallelujah. The great Emmanuel, God with us. But he is the king whom God put his hand on in the beginning of time. And said, this is the king of the universe, my son Jesus. How many of you know God couldn't have picked a greater king than his son Jesus Christ? He did not have to look for a king. He had a king. Hallelujah. And the king Jesus came. And those inspired by the Holy Ghost, Peter, for example, discerned that this is the Christ, the son of the living God. He said, Jesus asked Peter and the disciples whom the men say that I am. And eventually Peter understood as the spirit broke through the veil of his heart and spoke to him saying, Jesus is the Christ. And Peter opened his mouth and said, you're the Christ. 
meaning you are the one anointed to be king. You see, <laughs> you can be ordained to be king, but not anointed to be king. Jesus was both ordained and anointed to be king, to be the Christ. If you pray, I believe the Lord will speak to us this morning. Because at that point, we have a king who is walking the streets of Caesarea Philippi, all about Galilee, coming up out of Nazareth and being nurtured as a little babe in swaddling clothes in Bethlehem, born a king. Hallelujah. The three men came from the east, it says, it's saying, where is he who is born king of the Jews? Herod didn't like that. Whenever you set your stake to say, I am in Christ, and Christ is in me, and I live in him, he lives in me, I speak what he speaks, I do what he does. I love because he loves. I forgive because he forgives. I care for people because Jesus cares for people. I give him the glory because the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And when you set that stake, the enemy becomes arrayed against you. You know that already because your pastor teaches this all the time. And you understand the nature of spiritual warfare. And we're in that thing. But when I was a little more, more immature in the faith, you know, this thing of spiritual warfare kind of scared me. You know, I was scared the devil. You know, how many of y'all saw that ugly movie, The Exodus? I'm not, I'm, yeah, the, is that The Exorcist, right? With Linda Blair. Don't be ashamed. Admit it. You know, the devil just turning all ugly. How many of you know he doesn't have to turn ugly? He is ugly. <laughs> He is ugly in every way. He is ugly. Uh, but that, you know, that put a little fear in me. You know, oh my, if I, if I go all out for God, the devil's going to get mad. How many of you know <laughs> that it's all right to make the devil mad? How many of you know the devil did not like Jesus very much at all? And in the wilderness, after the 40 days, Jesus sat there, and he said, are you through yet? And the devil said, yeah, but I'll be back. Jesus said, we'll meet again. And they did. <laughs> and the devil relished the sight on Calvary, didn't he? He relished the sight, I, he relished the sight of Calvary from a distance. He knew what he was planning to do. <laughs> and he got into the heart of one of Jesus' own. <laughs> but Jesus knew it. He said, one of you, my own homies, my own partners, my own blood, my own brothers, one of my friends, one of you who sitting here eating out of my very dish will betray me this very night. 
clashing kingdoms. Isn't it interesting that all around us, we can be, we can have joy, we can have peace, we can be at strength. I mean, have you ever experienced where your life seems to be just at a place, you're at a high point. It just seems that everything's falling into place. Then you open the door to your house and you go out in the street and you see tragedy. Or the phone rings and you hear tragedy. Or you go to the doctor's office and you get a bad report from the doctor. And all of a sudden, all of your stock options that look good, all of a sudden, everything, all your investments that look good seem to pale. Clashing kingdoms. The enemy seeks to kill, steal, and to destroy. But Jesus came that we might have life and to have that more abundantly. And I thank God that I'm not afraid of the devil today because I know whom I am. I know whose I am. I know I am the Lord's property. Hallelujah. I used to be known, named Richard Coleman, but I have a new name. When, when I read that prophecy in, in, in Jerusalem, uh, about Jerusalem here, I said, you know, that, that, that sounds like me. I, you know, they used to call me all kinds of things. How many people have called you? Or how many of you have had people call you things that you didn't like them calling you? I guess if we went by and did an inventory, each of us would have a list of things that happened in our lives that have hurt us. Things that people have done to us that have wounded us. Things that go on in our lives that bring us disillusionment, that bring us despair, that bring us to a place sometimes of virtual hopelessness, which is, I think, what happened to this dear lady on the Mississippi River the other day. All around her is joy, but in her own existence, she cannot get to that place of joy. She cannot get to the place of peace because of the struggle that is within her. And the enemy wants to come in, and he wants to divide the truth of the hope that we have in Jesus Christ uh, from, the, from the, the, the issues that come into our lives that, the, that he then foments, and he agitates, and he stirs around, and he causes the things that are not so good going on in our lives to out to seemingly outweigh the good that's going on. But the devil is a liar. No matter what is going on in your life that's wrong, there is more good going on in your life. Hallelujah. No matter how many people hate you, somebody is praying for you. Because God said, I have set watchmen on your walls. Hallelujah. When I read that, I said, God, you have somebody praying for me. I hope somebody's praying for me. Because <laughs> God said, I have said watchmen. We, we see this unfolding then after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And a new Herod comes on about 10 years after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We see Herod the Great's grandson. Herod the Great persecuted Jesus. Now Herod's grandson is persecuting the followers of Jesus. How many of you know it didn't end even with Agrippa? (laughs) How many of you know the world is still persecuting people who want to hold on to their faith? Intimidation, counterculture, ways that are ungodly being positioned as things that we ought to accept because we're to be tolerant because we're to be politically correct, because we're to be, we're, we're to be uh, multicultural and embrace values and things that, uh, that we don't agree with. Well, I, 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 God, I, God <laughs> excuse me. 
God wrote a, a book through the power of his Holy Spirit. And he said, thus says, says the Lord. And he said, you cannot be a friend of the world and a friend of God. He said, you cannot serve God and serve the world. <laughs> you will either love one or the other. Clashing kingdoms. And Herod Agrippa then seeks to prevent the work of the spread of the church. They have killed many Christians by this point. And as we move into the 12th chapter of the book of Acts, we see where uh, James the elder uh, is killed at, by an order, a decree of the king. And he's killed because he is a devout Christian. And by, by the way, it, the, the, the book says in Acts chapter 11, verse 26, that believers of Jesus Christ were first called Christians in a place called Antioch, which is in Syria. Interesting. And they were called Christians because prior to that, they had been called by many names. But God said, I'm going to give you a new name. Somebody say amen. But they had been called Jews. They had been called proselytes. They had been called Gentiles. They had been called Hellenists. They had been called Greeks. Some were called barbarians. Some were called women. Some were called men. They were called Africans. They were called uh, uh, Egyptians. They were called all kinds. They weren't called Africans, but they were called <laughs> uh, Egyptians. They were called people from, who are Cyrenians. They were called uh, people by the place of their birth. And uh, they were called uh, this in ways that served to keep people at odds with each other so that there is order and, and, uh, and structure. And the fathers of the church struggled with this. And you recall how when Paul said that God had called him through the power of Jesus Christ, to be a minister to the Gentiles. You remember how Peter got upset about that. And they had a, a huge conflict that lasted over a period of time because Peter couldn't understand how the gospel of Jesus Christ, of the kingdom of Jesus Christ, could be taken to non-Jews. He had a real issue with that, though he was a man filled with the Holy Spirit. Isn't that interesting? That you can be an apostle and filled with the Holy Spirit and yet still caught up in the old ways, and old things, but God is saying, I'm doing a new thing. Hallelujah. I'm giving you a new name. And then in Antioch, by this point, Peter has seen the light because God has spoken to the heart of Peter and said, don't call anything unclean that I've made. All of my people that I've made are my people. Hallelujah. And so the fathers in the church decided that it would be right that we would begin to take on the name that God would have us to be called. Because the truth is that the name of, uh, as Richard Coleman or Greg Boyd or African American or Caucasian American or Baptist or Methodist or rich or poor or suburban or urban and all of the stuff that we attach or male or female, all of the names and titles and descriptives that we that we heap upon ourselves, none of them have power against the work of the enemy 
But what they do is provide opportunity for the enemy to come in and to put me against you and you against someone else. And the Baptists can't associate with the Presbyterians who cannot get along with the Lutherans who are struggling to make it with the Catholics. And the blacks have their thing and the whites have their thing and the Africans theirs and the Koreans theirs. And God said, enough. He said, you missed it. I said, I'm going to give you a new name. I'm giving you a new name. It does not mean that you are not a person of European descent or African descent. But it means you have come into a new nation. And they got it in Antioch. I want you to get this. They said, you know what we are? We are really Christians. That's who we are. (laughs) Guess what? We're not black or white or Baptist. Guess what? God wants to give us a new name. And the name Christian seemed to fit there because it was a way of honoring the king and honoring ourselves not only as followers of the king but as indwellers of the king. You see, to be a Christian does not mean only to follow Jesus, but it means to have Jesus living in you get it. To be a Christian means then to have the Christ in you. It means, you know, you are ordained to be sons and daughters of God. How many of you believe that? God made you to be his sons and daughters. Do you believe that? And as sons and daughters, then you have to be kings. We're not going to deal with the gender issue. Let's just say kings. Praise God. There'll be no end to that discussion. Just bear with me. Forgive me. I love us all. Hallelujah. My mother, probably the greatest person I've known, she's a female. She went on to glory. Amen. Praise the Lord. The name of Christ is the name we have to come to grips with for ourselves. Because Jesus healed the sick. He didn't do it because he was ordained to be Jesus, but because he was anointed to be king. Get that. The anointing is the authority of God that the devil recognizes. He doesn't recognize Richard, but he knows Jesus. (laughs) He knows Jesus. He knows my weaknesses, but he knows Jesus has none. Come on, help me this morning. He knows Jesus has no weaknesses, and that's why the apostles taught us to walk and live in the Spirit so that we will not fulfill what? The lusts of the flesh. Because the flesh wars against the spirit. But if we live in the spirit, who is Christ? And Christ is living in me. I can do the works that Jesus Christ did that he said I'm supposed to do. Because he said I'm giving you a new name. And you're not going to be an old person. I I don't mean that in a disparaging way. The old man. You're not going to be the old man who was powerless. 
but you're going to be a new woman full of power. You're not going to be sick any longer, but you're going to be a whole person who perhaps from time to time may be afflicted by an attack by the enemy. But how many of you know, hallelujah, that sickness can come and sickness will go at the name of Jesus. I declare it today, I believe it with all that is within me, that in the name of Jesus Christ, we have authority. And I'm ready to bump heads with the devil. In the name of Jesus Christ. I don't want to try to be a great philosopher. I don't want to try to outsmart the devil. Because I don't have to. I, I, I just remember what Jesus did. He went in the wilderness and prayed and fasted. And everything the devil threw at him <laughs> was not enough to prevent Jesus from accomplishing what the Father ordained and anointed him to do. I declare today that God has a new name for us. Can you see yourself as a Christian? I don't mean a nominal Christian, just by name. But where you have surrendered your life and said, God, I don't want it to be me anymore. I really want to be a new creature. This is why the apostle said, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Any person, that's a non-gender term. Amen. Amen? If anybody, women, girls, boys, men, if you are in Christ, you are a new creation. And Jesus said, you're going to do great works if you believe. He says, you're going to lay hands on the sick and they're going to recover. He says, in my name, you're going to cast out devils. How many know there are clashing kingdoms in the world today? Wouldn't it have been wonderful if in that crowd on Saturday, somehow, somehow, I or you could have walked up to that woman? Can we talk real now? Could we, could, could we, could, could we, have, could we have walked up to her and embraced her? Could our eyes have been opened to her plight? To her plight? Well, there are other women like that. And there are men like that. And there are children like that. Struggling with these clashing kingdoms. The world says, go to hell. And you're trying to raise them to go to heaven. And they're caught in between. Some of them are here this morning. There could be women and men here too today maybe just at that point of almost breaking but if you can see your new self and walk in that newness if you can take that new name and know that God didn't ordain you only but he desires to anoint you to be a Christian no 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 not just a name no uh -uh. with purpose because when I walk, I want, I want Jesus walking in me. When I talk, I want it to be Jesus talking in me. If I see someone in trouble, I want Jesus in me to reach out and embrace that one. 
I don't want the credit. I don't want the glory. I don't want the praise. I want Jesus because only Jesus can make a difference. Only Jesus can reach that heart. Only Jesus can make a troubled soul peaceful. Only Jesus can make uh, the crooked straight. Only Jesus can make the blind to see. Only Jesus can make the sick whole. Only Jesus can raise the dead. Only Jesus can bring hope where there's despair and disillusionment. Only Jesus can roll the blackness from the skies of our lives to allow the sun to shine through again. Only Jesus can help our children to make their way in a world that is wicked, in a world that is hostile to every value we hold dear. Only Jesus can do that. And he wants to come in you and be in you and live in you. He wants to get in your hands Lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. That's not just for the preachers. (laughs) That's for everybody. Because he's the same Christ in you. He's the same Christ in you who is in the one whom you see and believe is the greatest Christian who ever lived. Guess what? There's no such thing. We're all but it's Christ who makes the difference. Maybe you want that walk with Christ. Lift your hand. You want to walk with Jesus? Lift your hand. Don't be ashamed. Don't be afraid. If you want to live with Jesus, you want to walk with Christ. You want him walking in you. If you're here this morning and You recognize a bit of the pain that this world brings in your own life and you want to you want to overcome that. Just stand to your feet. If you if, you, if any of that is at work in you, don't be ashamed. Just stand to your feet. If you want to live where there is an authority in your life where you walk on your job on tomorrow morning that you left on Friday and things weren't going so well but you want to walk in there on top tomorrow would you let Jesus do that for you just stand to your feet just stand to your feet and let him do it if you want to go back home from this service to a house where there's been a spirit of hostility to the things that you really are wanting to do in the Lord, things you're really wanting to grow in the Lord, and it just seems that you come to church and you go back home and there's more hell than there was before you left. Let Christ work it out. Just stand to your feet right now. Just stand to your feet right now. We have a few people standing, and I want someone next to each of these I want a person on either side of these who are standing to stand with them, if you would do that. Just stand with these people, please. One, a person on either side of those who are standing. Just stand with them right now. Just stand with them. That's good. Father, we thank you for your son, Jesus the Christ, in whom we live and move and have our being. And he came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. Today, Lord, in this place, we declare the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ is at hand. 
And we declare to the forces of darkness, you have no authority in this place. You have no authority in the lives of these people. You have no jurisdiction. You have no power. You have no dominion because Jesus has all the authority, all the power, and all the dominion. We declare it in Jesus' name. To him be glory and honor and majesty. God, we know that you taught us in your word that if we confess our faults, that you are faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. So in our own way, Lord, now, even seated, we confess our faults. Standing, we confess our faults. And we confess that we desire to be renewed. We desire a new name. We want Christ living in. So God, right now, I pray that you would let the Christ come into the lives of these who reach to you by faith right now. I pray for renewal and redemption. That the waste places will become places of beauty and prosperity. And we give your name the praise, the honor, and glory in Jesus' name. And the saints of God shouted, Amen. Amen and Amen. Hallelujah. Give God a thank offering. Give him a praise offering. Hallelujah. Give him a praise offering because he has given us a new name. <laughs> He's given us a new name. We thank you so much. Let us all stand to our feet to be dismissed. Again, the prayer team will be ministering down front with us. And if you desire prayer, please, please come down. If you want more information about the congregation, if perhaps you stood and you want to talk with a pastor, a member of the, um, of the staff at Woodland Hills Church, please stop back at the information area before leaving and see someone there. Father, we thank you for all that you are and for how you have revealed yourself to us as the one who is love. We love you. We love you, Lord. Teach us to love each other. Send us forth with your blessing and never from your presence, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.